Welcome to Mother Puckers, the first and only podcast for hockey moms by a hockey mom, and that's me, Julie Bardownski. Welcome into season two, episode five. Now we are here. I'm back from Nashville. Had a wonderful week eating all the food and seeing all the people. Got to see tons of faces, so I had a nice, nice week there. I actually got to see today's guest, Jamie Free, briefly, and ironically or coincidentally, sometimes I don't know how to interchange those words correctly, but I'm terrified of spiders. After I left his house and I was driving down the road, on the visor of my car, the rental car, appeared a creepy, crawly, granddaddy long leg. I literally, in my head, was like, it's just a granddaddy long leg. It's not going to hurt you. But my body didn't get that reaction that I should have had. And instead, my body was doing the freak out while I'm driving. I'm like, I need to pull over. I need to get rid of the thing. I'm rolling down the window and I'm flinging it out. And finally, my body caught up to my head, reminding myself that it, yes, was just a daddy long leg and that I didn't need to react in such a way. But by that point, it didn't matter because it was already out of my car. I mean, I remember a couple of years Working out at Jamie's gym, he had a spider that he named Claude. And Claude was not your average daddy long leg. Claude would kill you. And I know he was plotting to try and kill me that whole time. Jamie claims that he still lives there, but I'd like to think that he has gone. There is no more. I'm going to tell myself that Claude died of COVID. Yes, best COVID death ever. Made it back in time for some Minnesota hockey and that was a great fun weekend except just two weeks ago the sun had broken two sticks so had gotten um, two new sticks and then he broke one in warm-ups in uh, this past weekend which is no problem right because you of course I had my have my um, receipt he'd forgotten the stick both parts of the stick when he came home and then he remembered oh I need to go get them we can only find the blade part so let this be a lesson because if you don't have both parts specifically even though it had a barcode on it that matched the barcode to our receipt but there's some identifier number on the shaft that went missing because somebody wanted that shaft for something I hope they are really excited with their $300 bottle opener that they're going to make out of it or their $300 picture frame or their $300 keychain, whatever they're going to make out of that, because we aren't going to be getting a new stick for that kid for a while now. So he's going to have to figure out how to make that one stick last um, because that is just a little lesson. You have to have both parts of the stick and the receipt or you are S-O-L. Very, very, very expensive. The rankings come out tomorrow from my hockey rankings. I got a, not a a preview of what they were, but my husband and I are doing a top 20 across different age groups guess or bet, a bet. We've got a dollar on it. That's actually really 95 cents more than what I normally bet, but I feel so confident in my picks that, you know, we're going to see how it goes tomorrow. 
But Ian, or I'm sorry, yeah, Ian. Ian Loden from My Hockey Rankings texted me and said that they are coming out tomorrow. So that'll be the day that we release this episode, and it will be good to go. Good to go. So since we don't have any of that to talk about, we're going to go right into the interview. I mentioned Jamie earlier in in my intro, and I'm super, super, super excited to talk with Jamie. Now, this is absolutely not your typical nutrition or workout conversation. <laughs> but that's also because Jamie is not your typical nutrition and fitness coach. And it kind of, listening back to the interview, it, it this this conversation is what people need to hear, or this part of health and fitness is really important for people to listen to because it's not about tips and tricks and diets and nutrition and you know, drive, 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 drive. Uh, it is really about your relationship with yourself. And Jamie breaks down a couple of pretty tough moments that he had that has shaped who he is today. And I'm, you know, it's it's great that I have this friendship with him. I've you know I've always thought of him as like my little brother. And my friends would all be, oh, my gosh, he's so cute. He's so good looking. Oh, my goodness. He's so handsome. And sorry, Jamie, no offense, but I never saw it because, like, I thought of him as my little brother. But he is a handsome man. (laughs) But beyond that, he's a very, you know, well thought um, individual and very deep. And you wouldn't expect it um, with someone who looks like Superman, right? But um, I think that... As moms, we're going to listen to this conversation and we're going to think about our kids and what they might be like when they grow up. And man, any bit of Jamie Free that comes through your kids um, and out into the adult world, I think is a good thing. He's got a beautiful family and a wonderful life. And it did get heavy, um, but it's so important, the pieces of it. And I think each of us can relate to what he talks about. And um, he talks, of course, obviously about, you know, his life growing up and playing hockey and how he moved from playing prep school hockey to college football and, uh, you know, now moving into bodybuilding. You know, it's a big, long process that he went through. And, you know, just a couple of his you know, notorieties that people like to know is that he's been a certified nutrition coach for 12 years, a certified personal trainer for 12 years. Um, he's a big time CrossFit coach. He owns his own CrossFit gym in Nashville. He's a certified mobility coach. And I think he did that because he always has so many injuries. So he's trying to make sure that he's, he keeps his body moving. Um, he's also an Olympic lifting coach. He owned his own um, nutrition store for a long time. And the coolest thing is if you worked with him, he never, ever, ever pushes supplements on you, specifically when he was when he owned his own store. He never pushed it. And it was pretty cool um, because he really worked with with the people and, and what was right for them. And, and he says it in the, in the um, interview that he has never 
uh, or he hasn't advertised in 13 years has been word of mouth, which I think is a really important aspect of how good he is at what he does. And so I'm looking forward to hearing everybody's reactions to this conversation about uh, fitness and nutrition. That really isn't what we talk about. <laughs> so uh, thank you for joining me, Jamie Free, and welcome to Mother Puckers. Hi, ladies. I've got a special treat for you. Longtime friend of mine, coach, voice in my head, and person who beats down my son, Coach Jamie Free. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining. I also have to share, so when I first started this podcast and I had to come up with a unisex name to call the kid that I would just generically call on my podcast, so for just about every episode, I refer to little Jamie. Huh. And you I'm I'm glad I could be that unisex child for you. You were you're the unisex child name for me to have as the example for all all parents as they think of their little. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure my parents appreciate that. Yeah, there you go. You're going to be forever immortalized in mother puckers. I love it. <laughs> so, I'm so excited um to have you talk cuz you know, it's it's always strange interviewing people that you like know were like family. So mm-hmm. I hopefully won't just gloss over things because I want to make sure that our listeners get the breadth and depth of all the fun things that we talked about. You're you're going to share, but I think we should start start with you as a youth hockey player. Talk about growing up. Well, I mean, I grew up in the Northeast. I was born in Rhode Island, so hockey. We played on ponds before we played in rinks. You know, it, it was one of those things that's like kind of like second nature for a Northeasterner. Yeah. Um, kind of similar to, you know, where you are now. Minnesota. You know, kid, yeah. I started skating at three and I played in uh, Smithfield, Rhode Island until I was probably 11. Then I moved to Connecticut and played there until I was 13 in Ridgefield and then moved to Tennessee, played down there with Nashville youth hockey for a long time. Uh, I was on the original team South Nice. Um, which ended up turning into Thunder, which ended up turning into Junior Preds. Nice. And then I went to prep school in Connecticut, uh, well, Gunnery Prep. Well, let's talk about that. How old were you? Because there's a lot of moms out there that um, have to go through that in the sport. I mean, the whole sending away thing was so foreign to me. So talk about going away and how old you were. Yeah, I was, I was 14, 15 uh, age range when I went. I went in as a junior essentially a sophomore because I redid, I, I kind of did a post-grad year in the middle. Yeah. Um, so I did three years at prep school. I was 14, 15 when I went in. Um, the difference is my mom had a house in Connecticut at the time. So I was still about 35 to 40 minutes away from her. So it wasn't really a way away. Okay. Yeah. So there was, there was definitely a, a net there. Uh, <laughs> safety. <laughs> and a laundry net. Well, you know, I do my own laundry, so I was taught from a young age. Yeah, that's good. Well, um, how did that grow your relationship with your mom, her being as close as she was then? Did that lead to some good, solid mother-son bonding over hockey and other things? You know, I mean, my mom and my father were both, they were either, one of them was at every game I was at, so I, I was blessed in that in that manner. Uh, even when I went off to college you know, and played football, you know, I had a parent at every game, you know, uh, even though they were, they were separated and divorced at that point, That's amazing. you know, so 
it, it was, I've had so much support and, uh, I think, you know, being a parent now looking back, I'm like, man, I, I I'm truly blessed. Yeah. Um, that, that, so that didn't have you feeling like you were separated from your family at such a young age. You still felt yeah. that whole family connection and you have a sister also. I do. I have an older sister. Yeah. So that's really good to have. Um, so, so how did you transition from prep school hockey and uh, college football? What's that all about? <laughs> well, you know, it was a little different when I went, I was 2001 when I graduated high school. So, you know, we played multiple sports. They actually required you to play three sports, a sport a, a season. So uh, I played football, hockey, and baseball. And uh, I, created some opportunities for me to to have a choice when I left prep school so you know there was a an opportunity to go to USHL and play play hockey there or go to college and play football and um, after 18 years of playing hockey I decided that I wanted to hit people on every play uh, <laughs> <That> <laughs> so surprise me yeah I know you know my personality so it's yeah. the the aggressive nature of football took took my heart uh, and, and I fell in love with that that's well, I love football, but you know, yeah. you're talking to a bunch of hockey moms here. Oh, absolutely. Who are uh, amazed someone has an opportunity with the USHL and bucks it for a college scholarship in football. Well, you know, and this is the way I looked at it. I was like, all right, well, if I go to USHL, I'll be a 21 year old freshman when I get to college. And I just, I was ready to move forward. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get to college. I want, and this is the problem. I wanted to get out of college. And I wanted to start working because that's all I really have ever done since I was like 13 is, is work. Like that's how you make money. So that's what I did. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're very good at that. So (laughs) do you think that, um, being part of these team sports helped? I mean, you already had the work ethic, obviously, but do you think that that was developed through both your parental influences as well as the, the dedication and the, structure of being in team sports yeah i mean i think playing team sports has helped me develop uh a a different side of my personality you know i'm i'm a little standoffish i guess you could say i'm I'm kind of a, a loner in that aspect where i'm an introvert um but on a team you never want to let the person next to you down so you know, I would do anything I could to make sure that I was at my best so they could be at their best. So I think that that personality, I, I enjoy that team aspect. I enjoy the camaraderie of it. And I think that's why I ended up getting into CrossFit is because of the community aspect and that feeling of being on a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and you, so how did you get there? Because you went through a whole lot of different things after after college in the health, fitness, bodybuilding, competition world. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit how you got um, to where you are today. Well, right out of college, uh, I started working in professional sports. I worked for the Sacramento Rivercats, which were the Oakland A's AAA organization. And then I started working with the Sacramento Kings, which is the NBA. So I worked in I, my degrees in business. I have a minor in law. So. I ended up doing the business side of sports instead of the training side of sports, which, you know, looking back now, I'm like, man, I should have just gotten my exercise and physiology uh, yeah. degree rather rather than a business degree. But, um, you know, it's all worked out in the end. I ended up 
you know, passing time doing bodybuilding. And that's a very, very lonely sport. It is. You're definitely in your own head. Yes, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. And you're constantly judging yourself. And, and mentally, it, it put me in a place where I was never, never really good enough. Hmm. You know, so I was constantly pushing myself and then felt like I let myself down, you know, if I didn't look the way I should or the community didn't accept me the way it should or whatever it is. So, you know, I, I, I kind of lucked out getting into CrossFit um, just because I owned a, a supplement store and one of my athletes was doing the open one year. And I was like, man, I could do burpees. Burpees are not a problem. <laughs> burpees are a problem. Let's just say that. Burpees uh, are always a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, that ego gets in the way of be like, well, he's bigger than me and, I, and he's doing burpees. I can totally do that. And then seven minutes of burpees I laid on the ground for an hour afterwards so oh well I've had workouts from you where I've gone and had to sit in my car and wait till my head stops spinning so I, <laughs> I can totally understand probably what you you were feeling like after any seven seven burpees alone much less seven minutes of them I can't <laughs> think about that. It, was, it was terrible and I I wanted nothing more than to never feel that again so I told the guy that I was working out with I was like hey I'll give you a year get me to where, get me to this competition that I want to get to. And I was hooked. I couldn't stop. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that your youth sports helped, helped with your mental strength as well and your grit, because I know for a fact that you have competed at these national level competitions with broken bones and mm -hmm. pulled tendons. And yet you just kept on going and it's, I mean, total grit that you've, you've shown. Uh, I think a lot of that does come from sport, playing sports, playing multiple sports, uh, being around different people. Uh, I think, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, I was a catcher. I was a catcher in baseball. The reason I was a catcher was because it controls eight feet long. <laughs> it, that too, but it, I get to control the whole field. I control everything and I get to touch the ball on every single play. That's true. All right. So, you know, it, it, it allowed me to be more of a field general and a, and a leader from that position than, than anywhere else. Well, you're definitely not good at just sitting by and watching sports, huh? No. No, I'm terrible at it. Got to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, okay, so you got into CrossFit. And um, mm -hmm. as I said in the intro, you have your own CrossFit gym in Nashville mm -hmm. called CrossFit Trivium. And that was, I know, a real goal of your of yours was to have have your own gym so you know what are some of the other things when you were a kid that you're that you looked at yourself thinking about doing that you're doing today now too honestly the main thing that I looked at when I was a kid playing hockey was I wanted to be Ray Bork <laughs> like and I'm obviously not Ray Bork and I, I'm talking that's that's not the question you asked but like he was he was the epitome of a leader yeah he was the captain of the Bruins. He was a great player. He was everything that I wanted to be when, as a hockey player, you know, he was, he was the best. I, I mean, I even have an autographed Jersey from him. So, you know, it's like, well, it's anyone, one of those things. Well, anyone with a Norse trophy five times. I mean, the yeah. dude's amazing. Yeah. He's phenomenal. And I, it always was sad to me that he had to go to Colorado to win a cup, but I'm glad he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to get into that whole cup conversation around Boston and blues now too, are we? I mean, how many do you have? Oh, stop. Have... Stop. 
But I'm just one, saying. The one we have is really important, though. <laughs> the one we have, yes. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> oh, man, okay. Well, no, uh, honestly, honestly, yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to be outside of a hockey player when I was younger. Um, and then that obviously evolved. I think working for other people was never really something that I could ever do. Like, I, I, I don't really like being told what to do, uh, you know? So I think the entrepreneur aspect of my life has really been cultivated from, from a young age, yeah. you know? So yeah, yeah. I guess owning my own business would be the, the thing that I, I had, was always meant to do. That's awesome. Well, what was the other thing that you were always meant to do that you are currently now doing? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's, I'm 39 years old and it's my first time parent and it's the greatest thing I've ever accomplished in my life. Yeah. Yep. She's pretty darn cute. Yeah. I got lucky. She looks like her mom. (laughs) Yes. 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 Well, so, all right. So you, through all of your athletics, you became aware of how important nutrition is Mm -hmm. to the athletic body, to the non-athletic body, to anybody, uh, our overall health. And if anything, this last uh, couple of years has really taught us how important our underlying health is. Absolutely. How did you transfer? I mean, my goodness, because the diet of a bodybuilder is so different than the diet of a CrossFitter. And how did you kind of teach yourself and learn the different aspects because nutrition is so fatty and I yeah. that's with D's not T's and there's so much information out there and how do you sift through it to get to what really works and then how do you like kind of normalize that across a youth athlete at eight a youth athlete at 16 an adult athlete at 21 and a mom at 40 you know, how do you kind of break those down into normalized pieces for those people? What's the important basics we should know? Well, it's funny to realize that like no no single person, any of those people you just mentioned, you know, 8, 16, 20, 40, none of them are the same. Right. You know, so you can't look at something someone else is doing and be like, oh, I'm just going to do that because that's not made for you. Your body is different. Your body is built different. You have different genetics, different uh, metabolism. So there's a lot of things that factor into that. You know, I think my transition was from the bodybuilding world of get as big as possible. Um, You know, so you're eating, it's funny, like I actually eat more now than I ever did when I was a bodybuilder, but like the way they look at food is very high protein, high carb, and then you cut carbs as you go through, mm-hmm. um, getting closer to a shoot or a show or something like that. Whereas like, and, and that's old school bodybuilding thought process, you know, fats are bad, you know, only carbs are good. And then we cut our carbs and then we restrict, we restrict, and we restrict. And what that leads to for most people who, who haven't been a part of it, uh, and that are trying it is rebounding. So essentially you restrict so far that, you're causing your body to crave everything. And then you, you hit that wall, that effort wall. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm just going to smash food all day long. And then you, it's hard to get out of that cycle once you get into it. Hmm. So So, restricting is just not a mentally healthy way to go. No, it's, it's a, it's a poor way to look at food. You know, there's not good and bad foods. There's foods you should eat and there's foods that you should limit. 
you know, obviously I'm not going to tell a client to eat a Snickers, but you know, what, what we should eat and what we should, you know, avoid doesn't mean that you can't eat it. It's never a good option to not eat. Yeah. And you have to, because like, if you tell yourself, no, 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 then it makes it bad instead of having that healthy relationship with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting because I think back to when I did my fitness competitions and, and I, I did these, these were back in the mid nineties and I found a nutritionist just randomly. Um, Mm -hmm. when I was 22, I had no 22, 23. I had no idea what a protein, a fat or a carb was Mm -hmm. no flipping clue. And so when I started doing the fitness competitions and I had no idea, I found a nutritionist who actually was part of the 40, 30, 30. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So 30 grams of fat. So if you're, when you're doing fitness competitions, you know, the old bodybuilding thought was fat is bad. And so when I would Uh go into these competitions, these girls were like, you're eating how many grams of fat a day? Oh my gosh, no. And then within a couple of years, that became the prevailing understanding of health in your body is needing that healthy fat. So listening to you kind of brings back a lot of those memories and the restrictions. Oh my gosh. I remember craving a Subway turkey sandwich at one point when I was dieting. <laughs> I'm like, a Subway turkey sandwich? You'd think I want like a pizza or ice cream or whatever, but it was so restrictive that that was my craving. Yeah, yeah and that's that's the problem with restricted dieting and, and anything like that for any age. You know, when you're teaching kids, like and I have a 13-year-old CrossFitter, all right, and, she, and it's a female, all right, and this girl is, she works out for like four hours a day. I can't, I can't have her eating 1800 calories. She eats 32, she's 3,200 calories. That's amazing. That's how much I eat. (laughs) And I'm a, I'm a 210 pound adult, right? you know? So it's like, it's one of those things where everyone's so different. Like if, if that was maybe someone else, you know, maybe they're eating 2,800 calories instead of 3,200 calories and that 400 calories makes a difference. You know, and it, it makes a difference in how you process food and energy, and it makes a difference in how lean you are. The leaner an individual is, the more food you have to give them because, you know, lean muscle burns burns calories. Now, I was to say what I find interesting about the crossfitting and comparing that to hockey from a nutrition perspective, it seems to be very similar because it's such burst of anaerobic exercise mm-hmm. for crossfit, which is very similar to hockey. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of parents restrict their kids on, you know, rice and pasta and bread saying, no, 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 because that's what society is telling us parents is those are bad. What do you, yeah. what do you say about that? Because we've got to fuel these kids' bodies for that anaerobic burst. What do we do well, with that? You know, and, and hockey really is interval training. I mean, that's, yep. that's what hockey is. It's 45 second shift and then get off and rest for, you know, a minute and a half. So, or longer, uh, you know, so it it is really like, you know, as much of an interval training as CrossFit would technically be. So, you know, I look at them very similar in that aspect, Mm -hmm. but I think that I would never, I, I would understand how food breaks down in the body. So utilization of carbohydrates, you know, if you have to digest them, such as rices, pastas, things like that, there's nothing wrong with those things unless someone has an allergy to them. If you have a gluten allergy, then go gluten-free. If you don't, don't do that. 
Right. You know, I mean, if, if it doesn't bother you, then stick with those things. And it takes about an hour and 45 minutes to two hours to, to break that down, digest it and start utilizing it. So timing of food for an athlete is incredibly important. Now, if you're too close to a game and it's like 45 minutes to an hour out and you're like, man, if I crush a food meal right now, I'm going to feel terrible. You're right. You will because your body is digesting, pulling blood in the stomach to do that. And, and fuel that that digestion instead of doing the things it's supposed to do. So you're going to feel sluggish. Yeah. Now, if it's closer to a game, you can use pre-digested um, powder, like uh, like a carb powder, um, Gatorade powder, things like that. That'll allow absorption on the way down, no digestion really, just you know energy within 45 minutes to an hour. So those are the things that you really have to understand. Now, if you're starting to restrict foods because someone – online says that this isn't good for you how do they know that come on everything online is true yeah yeah it's like you remember that commercial where uh there was a commercial where the guy's like yeah he says he's a french model i met him online and it's just like this guy who's like says bone jaw and you're just like yeah that's about the internet it's pretty much what it is pretty much you can pretty much do whatever you want on the internet it's it's no regulation at all and it's embarrassing well, there's regulation. It's just the tech companies are doing that. <laughs> You're talking about censorship. Oh, that's a difference. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, shoot. We, we, we digressed. <laughs> yeah, completely. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, all right. So, those are really good suggestions. And um, I appreciate you saying if you don't have a um, – an allergy to a food, you know, don't just be on the trend basically of, of not eating it. Don't don't deny your body. What do you think about, you know, like, like puberty, a lot of kids when they start hitting puberty and do they need more calories or will they eat when they want to? I mean, I know my kid will sit down and put down three bowls of Chipotle in one sitting like for two weeks. And then suddenly he's, you know, eating a banana at breakfast. You know, I think hormones do play a factor in it because especially at the age where kids are hitting puberty, and I will say especially males, um, it's so up and down, like how they feel, how their performance is. It's it's completely, you're looking at hormone-based. They could be eating the greatest things in the world, but they're so in flux on the inside that they don't even know what's going on. So. I think that's the tough part with, uh, with especially males, because obviously females develop differently and a little bit faster in terms of the, the mental side of it um, and understanding it. And always stay ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me. I, I'm, I'm the inferior one in my house. There's two females in here and, and I am the inferior one. I understand that. That's good. I'm glad you understood. Oh, God. <laughs> How how long does that testosterone surge in males then go? Is it until they're twenty six, like when the brain is fully developed, or is it does it, does it continue to go, go after that? I mean, usually peak peak output is is between eighteen and twenty two. You're looking at you know around that range. Uh, everyone's different though. I mean, that's on average. Yeah. Um, you know, and I look at I look at someone like and. Honestly, I think he's going to probably be a late bloomer, which is a little scary because he's he's already a freak. <laughs> so, 
He's a freak. Yeah, he's but, definitely know, a late bloomer. That is for sure. Which is which is actually going to – it will end up working out for him in the end. So that that's going to be really good. But it will affect his appetite. It will, it will impact that. Yeah, I – you know, I learned a lot from you about timing. Like all my years of – do, you know, I did my own personal training. I was on NBC for um, uh, fit health and fitness and all my competing. But man, when I hit my hit my wall in my 40s there, I needed you. And you taught yeah. me the importance of the timing of that food. And that hadn't been taught to me before or I hadn't understood it, you know, because that wasn't part of the knowledge back then, I guess. And you taught me so much. So I, that's why I was really grateful that you were willing to come on and, and share some of your your knowledge um what about after a game or a practice or something like that you know are they is there a certain time that they should be eating and what they should be eating eating when you know it's it's funny that you bring that up it's 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 so common that people are like oh i gotta hit a protein shake immediately after my workout or I'm going to miss out on my gains. And that's really just not how the body works. Now, in terms of replenishing and, and making sure that your child or, you know, mainly an athlete, I would say, mainly an athlete would should be able to get some fast-acting carbohydrates into the body to replenish muscle glycogen. And that's where energy comes from. So, I mean, timing-wise, honestly, after a game, if you if you've skated every shift that you should – skate and all that i think that the replenishment of muscle glycogen is the key but if for like people like you and i like yes i work out but i mean i eat three meals a day and that's really it you know there's no anabolic window there's no there's no window for us per se there's really no window because your body is anabolic for the remainder of maybe a couple hours not 30 minutes oh come on Olivia on my Peloton this week, mm-hmm. I literally cussed at her. So believe me, my <laughs> body is still working. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. Oh, man. Well, so what are some of the other things? Because you train a ton of youth athletes, and you've sent mm-hmm. a ton of athletes off to college scholarships. And so what makes the difference for those athletes that are getting those scholarships and getting those looks that – you feel nutrition and um, training plays a part in for them instead of just in their sport, but like the aspect that you offer. You know, I mean, I've been very blessed to, to not have to take on every single client that sends my way because you know how Williamson County is. Yes. That's a part of Nashville for the listeners who don't yeah. live in Nashville. And it's a, it's an upper, upper class neighborhood or uh, area. But a lot of the times, kids these days, their parents want it more than they do. Yeah. So, you know, I, analyzing a lot of these kids and, and maybe have a session or two with them before, you know, I decide to invest long term in them is is really been a blessing uh, to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you know immediately. And I, I told this, I said this on uh, Instagram one time. I was like, if I give someone a rep range of 8 to 12 and, and someone eight. and some only does eight all the time, yeah. even though they could do 12, that tells me all I need to know about that child Yeah, right there. If you're constantly like I ask, <laughs> if I ask him to, to do eight to 12, he does 14 <laughs> that there's a difference. There's a different mindset there. And all the kids that I currently have, 
literally would run through a wall to get better, which yeah. is, which is great. And I, and I never required them to do that. My goal is to never make anyone throw up. I don't want anyone to feel terrible after a workout. Everything has to be purposeful. Everything has to be intentional. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things when you get these kids who are, you know, hitting their teens and they're starting to grow and they want to grow so fast, they don't understand they want to go big, big, big every workout. They don't seem to understand the importance of the lighter loads and the endurance build. How do you get their mindset from that? I got to do everything. I got to go through that wall to understanding the importance of the ancillary muscles, the low load days, the, you know, the muscle Mm -hmm. endurance. How do you get them to really grasp that and make that part of their everyday life? Well, I, I try to explain why we're doing it. You know, even a, even for a 13, 14 year old to understand why we're doing what we're doing, it goes a long way for them buying into what we're doing. You know, so, I mean, it, it, it comes down to the individual and their willingness to learn why, you know, I, my goal is not to. And, and I never thought about this when I was younger in training clients. It's not just about the training. It's about the mindset. Mm-hmm. It's about it's about helping to shape that. I get an hour, maybe two to three times a week with kids. And what I want them to know is I don't care if you fail a rep. I care if the effort is there. Effort should be implied all the time. And if you're not going to give me the effort, then I'm, I'm most likely not going to invest my time in you. And that is true, ladies. So when you're thinking about having your kid work with someone like Jamie Make sure that you're not wanting it for your kid, that your kid is actually pushing you for it. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. And I, you know, and I'm just going to toot my own horn. I, 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 I feel very honored that I was the one old lady that he would um, train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, honestly, I haven't trained a, a, an adult since you. So, um, and it's not to do with you turning me off for adults. It's just. I, it's because I can't deadlift. <laughs> let's be honest. We won't talk about your deadlifting, but uh, you know, I think what it really comes down for me is I can help a teen's mindset much better than I can help an adult's mindset in the training world. Now, what I do, I should have gone to college for actual psychology because the way people look at food is so skewed and so broken that it's a lot of it comes down to the psychological aspect of how people feel about food. So I feel like. I can work with adults better on the food side than I can in the, that one hour. Okay. So that brings up a really big subject. Um, so you weren't, okay. So ladies, if you go out and you look at two seven health and wellness, it's spelled out two seven and that was Jamie's number in college. And that is the significance of that, that number. And it has many other areas of significance in his life since then. But yes. um, <laughs> if you go out and you look at Jamie now on the website, you will see a very handsome man and very well put together, just amazing, right? And if you saw Jamie when Jamie was little Jamie, he wasn't so <laughs> little. And going to the whole psychology of it, talk about being a kid who wore Huskies to where you are now and the psychology of that. Cause I think that's important. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things where it definitely has the ability to shape or break you. Um, so I've been 200 pounds since sixth grade, you know, and it wasn't the same 200 pounds. It was, it was, it looked much different back then. And, you know, when I went to school in Tennessee at sixth grade, the, the 
the school I went to and I, I was lucky enough to go to private school, you know, so there was, I mean, my mom worked for the school and my father worked his rear end off to make sure that we, we had enough money to do these things. So, and, and I appreciate them immensely for that. But, you know, the kids there, it was like going to school at Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah. And everyone's pretty. Everyone has. And I'm this chubby. Well, it's just I was I was a fat kid with a bowl cut, you know, and it was and I can't understand what kids go through today because it was so brutal in person. How mean kids can be. Yes. Um, but now with social media, I, I just I don't even know. It's it's incredibly difficult for anyone who is different to be accepted these days. Um, and that's and so I think, crazy because we're on this whole, everybody's who's different is beautiful thing, but yet it's not really being. Well, it's not taught from the younger age. The parents at home are not, are not teaching these things or they're not doing the things that they need to do for their kids to, to accept them. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that is the tough part for me. It was either like, all right, well, thankfully I had sports. Because if I didn't have sports, I would have no way to get out my aggression. I probably would have eaten myself into 300 pounds by the time I was, you know, a senior in high school. Yes. And we know, you know, we know, we know, we know the obesity issue today is rampant. And we know hmm. that that bastion of unhealthiness is just, it's killing our kids. It's killing our adults. It's making you less healthy, less, more vulnerable to viruses, to anything, sicknesses, anything, heart disease, so on. So how did you get your mind to shift from there to, you know, through your sports career to where you're eating now without having any, you know, uh, I don't even know what's the word, any memory, you know, not, not that you don't, not that you've blocked out little Jamie, but, how do you keep going today with such a strong relationship with food and with working out and everything that you do is very health focused and life focused without having any creep ins from the past? I mean, I don't know. That question kind of brings up a lot of emotion. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think that I carry him with me every day. And I look in the mirror some days and I see them. Mm-hmm. But I have to realize at that point that that's not real. That's not who I am. That doesn't define who I am. And I use that. Yeah. I use that. I, when I was younger, I didn't really know how to process it. So I used that anger in sports. Mm-hmm. And I used that to fuel me to be better because the better I was at sports, the more popular I was. Yeah. Um, the more friends I had, the more people wanted to hang out with me. So I, I saw the correlation and I just worked my rear end off to make sure that I was good. Cause I'm not gifted in any way. Like there's no, like my genetics, both my parents are, are five, four, five, five, you know, they're, you know, my whole family's been overweight at one point or another. Um, so like, there's no genetic gift that was given to me. It's like, I had the choice either work hard or don't work hard, you know, and this is where I am at this point. Well, that's amazing. I, you know, and to have that propel you forward to help others, ach- yeah. ach- you know, achieve, achieve. And you're right. You probably should have gotten that psychology degree because <laughs> what you do is you, you use that to help so many other people. What, what I found interesting about that, um, bit of our conversation was that 
at that point in your life, you wanted more friends and you wanted more people around you. Whereas you are such <laughs> a, you are such a, an introvert. You're so, and, and I'm like literally before you even got on this morning, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, these are going to be the most words that I think James has ever <laughs> said. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, I think for me, it came down to acceptance, you know, um, it was, it was, it was maybe not, and you know how I am. I, I only really now these days spend time with people who, who invest in me. I'm going to invest in those who invest in me. And that's a small group. Uh, and I'm realizing how small it is and, and how important those people are. And I think that, um, being accepted as a young kid was, was so important to me that, you know, I'm thank and I'm thankful it was because, I don't know if I'd be where I am now if it wasn't for that. Um, does that mean that it's right? No, I don't think so. I think that finding self-worth is, is more important than anything else. And I, finding that later in life is, is a blessing. Uh, and hopefully I can teach my daughter that. How would you, how would you teach a kid today in today's environment to deal with maybe the same similar struggles that you had, whether it's weight, whether it's just being a little different, whether it's if they're a loner and aren't part of the party all the time, you know, what, what would you tell them as advice um, to get through that time and get the most out of that time, knowing that the future, you know, they're in control of their future and they have choice. What would you tell them? Man, uh, you're worthy. Mm. know your value. That's great. I wish someone had taught me that. Yeah. I wish I had listened. I'm sure my parents said that to me. I wish I had listened. Well, you know what? You're you're right. That's a hard, that's a hard thing. That goes back to last week's um, episode where I had a parent guide on, we were talking about um, how to, how to have a, a relationship with your child and open some, some doors because it's hard, you know, in teens, they know everything and yeah. uh, you know, they're not going to listen to, and, and you're probably right. You probably heard that many times, but you have to hear it yourself. You have to be the one really to tell yourself. So I, I love that yeah. you used sports um, to help drive that because I'm a big believer in sports. Um, and um, I love that it has fueled such a great, offering you give to so many people i mean oh my goodness everybody loves coach jamie so um, (laughs) it's you've just done so much good for so many people um so if you had a couple of nuggets just to share with let's say some of our moms about Mm -hmm. you know just think me the, the one old lady what's a couple of nuggets you would give some of the moms outside of If you don't have an allergy, go ahead and eat it. Don't have a restrictive relationship with food. What are some of the other things that you would share with some of our moms? Um, I would say, listen, listen, listen to your kids. If they're not hungry, they're not hungry. Don't force them to eat. If they're hungry, go ahead and let them eat. You know, have them understand what hunger is and what, you know, being bored is because there's a difference there. You know, so there's some kids that will sit at home and they just eat because there's nothing else to do, you know. Um, so have you uh, what I would say is have a parent understand their their child and also have the child understand 
Because at this point, it's knowing yourself that is going to get you to the places that you want to go. It's not trying to be like anyone else. Like, I, And I, I had this conversation with a group of hockey players. I was like, hey, Zidane Ochara, he's 6'9", six, six, he's you know, 245, 50 pounds, he's a, he's a vegetarian. Does that mean it works for you? Right. May not, you know? And he spends eight it, hours in the gym. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, there's, there's the 1% that get to do whatever they want. And that's, that's a, a very, very exclusive genetic group for the rest of us. It's work ethic, understanding yourself and, and knowing that you can outwork and outheart some of the ability that's out there. Yeah. Yes. Always be the hardest worker. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's cliche and it sounds yeah, bad, but this day and age, this day and age, everyone's looking for the easiest way out when all we really need is some hard work. Yeah. Yes. Like it. Hard work is important. So tell me, um, what have you learned in the two months now that you have been a dad? What's fun about that to a daughter? Oh my goodness. It's Everything I've done in the last 39 years of my life, is this is the greatest accomplishment I've ever done. Yeah. Like everyone tells you that being a parent is going to change your life. I'm like, yeah, I get it. There's going to be another life that depends on me. But just looking at her is, is the most beautiful thing that I can wrap my head around. Oh, so, she's you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. She's, it's going to be two and a half months and I don't, feel like I know a time before Tess and I had her. Like it was just like my life was incomplete. Aww. And did so. I just hear her in the background? <laughs> yeah, she's uh it. waking up from a nap. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> she, she likes sleep way more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the one thing that we have in common is when we wake up in the morning, except I'll tell you what, I, I think I shared with you that podcast I listened to on sleep uh-huh. and it's changed my world. I'm sleeping like seven hours a night usually. And you should see, okay. So for the listeners out there, I think I've talked about my whoop strap before. Well, um, <laughs> Jamie has gotten me into the whoop strap. He even actually had to teach me how to put it on the first time. <laughs> I'm clueless there, but he has his team 27 whoop um, group that you can see how everybody's doing on their strain and their sleep, their recovery, all of this stuff. And I tell you what, I've been on a, on a bender the last month of trying to be number one. I'm always not second (laughs) um, on, on strain, but um, I've been doing really well on the sleep side of things since I've moved to Minnesota. So there might be something to it up here. I feel like you probably have a little bit more of a calm than you that you had down here. Oh my gosh, it is so calm. It's quiet. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Except last yeah, night we had a big awesome. old storm, so I didn't. And for some reason, I'm still at a and I'm still in the massive green on my recovery. So, I don't know. I don't see the green very much, but I I try to get as Cora started sleeping through the night, so That helps. Um yeah, it's fantastic. We got like, I think Already? I got like eight, eight and a half. Yeah, she's slept 10 hours the last four nights, five nights. Wasn't I telling you for the whole time Tess was pregnant that it took two months? Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's, well, you know, their sleep regression starts at four months. So we'll see what happens then. But right now she's she's a champ. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, so has, uh, has yours 
your nutrition changed at all since uh, since Cora has joined the world, um, or for Tess? Like, is she eating anything specific as a new mom? You know, it's it's funny that uh, you asked that. Like, Tess is actually I I wrote up a plan for Tess because she wants to get in back to where she was um, or or better. Um, the only thing that like I make sure that she eats oats on a daily basis. Um, that helps with milk production. Um, so yeah, she's doing well there in terms of me. Um, I like to tell people the only thing I can control is what I do to myself. Uh So I can't control if my daughter is yelling or upset. I can't control if the world is crazy over a certain, uh, virus. Um, but I can control what I put in my body and what I do to myself. So I, I hold on to that because I, I do enjoy control. Yes. And, <laughs> and compartmentalizing. Yeah, yeah, I can put everything in a little box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, so in all your years of hockey, do you have a crazy hockey mom story? Um, not really. I mean, it's mostly from my father than, oh. than anything else. All right. Uh, well, I've got dads that listen to so <laughs> share a crazy dad story. Um, my father, uh, so when I played in Nashville, we traveled everywhere. And, and I think that's why I have a great relationship with my father is because it was him and I on long weekends in hotels, you know, long drives. Um, and I think that bond has been wonderful. Now my mom stayed with my sister, um, most of the time. So, um, you know, that's why my mom wasn't there. It wasn't that she didn't love hockey or anything like that, but you know, (laughs) we were in Charlotte and actually this has happened twice. Um, so, so someone apparently spit on a referee. Oh. Um, and my father is, was the loudest individual, um, that you could hear. And he actually found a videotape when he was, he was remodeling his house. He found a videotape and he called me and apologized because oh. <laughs> he, cause he was so aggressive when, when he was yelling, uh, and, and honestly, I respond to it because I didn't ever want to let him down, you know? Right. So I responded well to it. My sister responded a little differently. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he got kicked out of Charlotte uh, because they thought it was him. It wasn't him, but they thought it was him. Uh, so he was not allowed back in Charlotte. It actually, he got kicked out of a, a game in Nashville at the Centennial Sports Club because he was yelling at our coach. Um, <laughs> now, did your dad <laughs> and, play hockey? No, no. He was always amazed that I, I could play because yeah. like he never could really skate that well. He could never do it. And honestly, he was born in Rhode Island, so there's always ponds there. Yeah. But um yeah, he it, he was always amazed at the way I played the game. Um my last year in Nashville, I mean, was I was a defenseman and I had I think sixty eight goals. Oh man. You know. No wonder Ray so. Bork was your hero. Uh, you know, I should have been like Brian Berard or something like that, or like yeah. uh Brian Leach or, you know. or Al McGinnis. Yeah, seriously. The slap shot. We'll go um, <laughs> he, he played for Calgary first, didn't he? Uh, I, I don't, we, we don't count those years in St. Louis. I, I, I was going to say, I feel like <laughs> if I was going to say Al McGinnis, I would say the Calgary, run, but um, uh, no, but I mean, I, I think, you know, <laughs> parents being so into it that they get kicked out of games is that that's happened frequently. And he, my father wasn't the only one. Uh, that ended up getting kicked out of games. I'm sure there was some, there were some moms that got kicked out too. Um, you know, very protective parents, uh, and very competitive parents. I mean, I don't think 
you can't really play a sport that's fast paced like hockey and not be competitive. Right. Yeah. You have um, to be able to, you have to have that mindset. Even, no, absolutely. Even parents that I've met who never knew anything about hockey until their kids started playing, boy, they're right in there yelling and screaming. Um, after a couple of years, they know they're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> and well, awesome. you, and, and you got to think about it this way. Hockey is an expensive sport. Oh. So those parents had to be good at what they're doing to make sure that the kids could play this game. Now you have to say little Jamie. So little Jamie could play the game. <laughs> so, so little Jamie could play the game, you know? So, you know, people who are good at their jobs are, are not, they're, they're very competitive people. Yeah. So, you know, you tie that into sports. I mean, I remember playing video games with my father and, you know, my mom, we would play football in the backyard. My mom would play that and she would hit home runs. Nice. You know, I mean, it, there was, God, there's so many things that I can look back on in, in, in such a positive light, um, you know, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't trade any of that time on the road with my parents for anything in the world. Yeah, it is a special time. Um, it, it is, but yes, the expense is there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, well, this the cost of skates alone growing up. And I, I was, a, by the time I was 15, I was a size 13 shoe. Oh. So you know, it was, uh, yeah, we, we really thought I was adopted for a little while. Uh, <laughs> or a platypus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, you're looking at what a thousand dollars pair of skates, get a new pair of skates okay. every six months to a year. Yeah. Until your so, feet are done growing. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Oh, well, so, um, when you look at your athletes today and you mentioned the mindset and this is kind of where I wanted to end our conversation, you know, you, you know if it's in the kid or if it's not in the kid, if they're going to work, if they're going to do the 14 reps mm-hmm. or if they're going to do the eight, if they're going to really think about what they're eating and when they're eating it and the effect that it's going to have on them. I spoke to a goalie a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were taking um, some boys out for um, ice cream. And he mm-hmm. said, I will go, but I won't eat it sugar messes with my game and he was starting the next day and I was really impressed that he was, you know, taking that seriously. How do you, how do you, if you don't, if there's a kid who doesn't really have that yet, how do you maybe help turn it on for him? Uh, you have to find what drives them. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you can find the direction and the drive, what would, what's their purpose in doing what they're doing and you find a way to, to motivate anyone, you know? Mm-hmm. So one thing I've learned over all the years is that, when I first started, I had a sledgehammer in my toolbox and that was it. Um, you know, some, some people, the majority of people don't respond to a sledgehammer, right? you know? So sometimes you have to, you know, add some tools to the toolbox and adjust with, with the kids and, and listen to them. And they're going to tell you everything that you need to know. If you're listening, if you're not listening, then no matter what they say, it's not going to matter, but you know, they're going to tell you what motivates them. They're going to tell you what drives them. You know, it's and, and then they start seeing results and then they're hooked. And, then, and that's that's the key is showing making sure they see how good they are getting. Otherwise, you're just, you know, you're just a trainer counting sessions, making sure you get paid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not fun. No, no, I, I don't want to get paid for something just just to do it. I want I want to make sure like. I'm so proud of Minnesota. I felt like a proud parent because I feel like there was an accomplishment that he had set forth. He wanted to do that. And then he did it, you know, 
understanding that and, and and having him understand that, you know, showing him that he has the ability to do whatever he wants. You know, he just has to want. Yes. You know. And do you find writing down your goals is better than just having them in your brain? I mean, I think everyone's different. I think some people can keep that in the forefront of their mind. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are not able to do so. So writing it down is definitely beneficial. Um, when I moved to Connecticut, I was going to say, or if I, you're old like me and you forget, yeah, and you forget, and you forget those goals. I mean, I write out Tess and I write out goals at, at the first of every year for the year, you know, and we share our goals with each other, and we make sure that you know there's accountability there. Um, so you know, I think that that's highly beneficial accountability wise to write it down mm-hmm. uh, and make sure there. But you know, some people can just are single minded and they can do that. Um, there just seems to be so much going on in life these days that some of the, the goals for yourself and putting yourself first seems to get lost. Mm, yeah. There's so much going on these days. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty terrible to watch the news. It, it might, I might as well watch Candyman instead. It's about the same horror level. <laughs> well, I haven't watched any news in so many months that I don't even know what's going on. People have to tell me, and I'm I'm actually very proud of that. When I used to be such a news junkie, um, well, I I don't watch the news either, so I'm no. I'm happy for you. Yes, it's a it's a calming place to be, and it, it's why I'm in the green. I think all, all the time. <laughs> it's called peace of mind, which peace is beautiful. Mind. Yeah, it is. A lot of what you have to say here around nutrition and sport really comes down to building a good relationship with yourself, having your, as parents, as we as parents, helping our kids to build a good relationship with themselves along mm-hmm. with your relationship with them so that they know that they're worthy, that they know their value, and they know what mm-hmm. drives them. And those are the things that will bring all of these other pieces together to help them become, you know, a happy, productive, you know, person in society. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I think one of the things that back in my, when I played sports, team sports and things like that, it was, it wasn't about showing up. It wasn't about getting a participation trophy. It was about, here's your goal. Let's set forth to accomplish this goal. It's not just about, you know, getting something for getting something. Um, And I think that hopefully that is, is something that is going to get turned around in our society. Um, accomplishing a goal and, and rewarding yourself for doing so. Uh, I think instead of just rewarding yourself for showing up, yeah. um, I think that's, that's, the, that's been one of the hardest things for me to, to comprehend these days. Uh, and hopefully there's a shift coming for that. I hope so. I think that there's, um, I think there's enough people out there seeing the benefit of having a good work ethic, um, and, and being healthy, you know, I think health is obviously at the forefront of everybody's first topic of conversation. Unfortunately, it's not really health people are talking about. They're talking about sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm praying, I'm literally praying that this sickness ignites an interest in individual health, real health. And maybe in five, ten years we'll see the benefits of that as a society. I'm praying that's the outcome for this. Well, and I think it's up to us to make sure that the younger, the youth know these things rather than just getting on a phone 
or, you know, scrolling on, on Instagram or things like that. I think if we take that and cut that back, I think our world's going to be a better place immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I just saw a report. Now here I say I don't watch the news, but in my email, the Apple news thing that pops up, mm-hmm. and there was a a sentence, a highlight, uh, whatever. The title of the article that they wrote was something about Instagram is bad for your kids and the company knows it. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm kind of intrigued on that one. I may actually read that. <laughs> oh, they 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 clickbaited you. <laughs> well, I didn't click it, but I I might I might uh, want to know um, if I can actually prove to these kids these days why it's really bad for you. Not that I haven't already used Harvard studies to prove to them why social media is bad for them, but yeah. <laughs> I have to you know just add to your statement of telling our kids today. If you as a parent cannot tell your kid, because a lot of times the kids will not listen to us, find someone who can and can get through to them. Because, you know, I've been in the gym my entire life. I've worked out with my son consistently. But it took Jamie, a, a professional and an amazing human, to get through to my son on a different level, to teach him and train him and you know, educate him on things that he is going to carry for the rest of his life that I never would have been able to. So don't think as parents, we know everything and we're the only arbiter of that truth. You've got to get, you've got a team. You've got to find the right people to be there for your kid. You've got to let coaches do what coaches do best and are, you know, and find the right coaches and more importantly, the right humans underneath that coach title to be around your kid. And Jamie, I am lucky to have found him and that he has um, been a part of my son's life for so many years. I am excited for anybody out there who in his area would have an athlete that could work with him. But wherever you are, I'm sure um, I'm sure Jamie would probably know somebody who might be able to, to help you in whatever part of the country or in Canada that you might be, but find those right people and you'll know it. I mean, because it's, yeah. it's word of mouth. I mean, you do something wrong and Jamie, you're going to be, you know, not, not working with kids anymore. And so people yeah. know who's good and who's bad. So ask around for who those good people are. Absolutely. I mean, I haven't done marketing in 13 years, so uh, somehow still managed to stay afloat. So, <laughs> Oh, you thrive. You are thriving. It's amazing. So, well, thank you for your time and for my goodness, the thought, thought provoking conversation and just, you know, being raw and being open Absolutely. Um, with me. And this wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be for knowing you <laughs> as well as I do. I think we did pretty well without sliding down our internal jokes <laughs> <laughs> well you know i have a certain comfort level with you so i think that that definitely helps out here so <laughs> awesome pulling a, a introvert out i'm doing it exactly <laughs> well thanks for joining um today and you can find jamie at two seven health and wellness and if you're in williamson county or davidson county in nashville crossfit trivium is a great community for you to go in and participate absolutely we appreciate that well thank you jamie and remember i say little jamie at least once an episode oh <laughs> <laughs> well, i appreciate that and thank you so much for having me Thank you. 
Well, like I said, that wasn't a typical nutrition talk. It got heavy, you know, but those life lessons that Jamie has learned and he shares the wisdom that he has developed inside of himself and how he's so willing to share and support and develop and work with different athletes and um, nutrition clients and just people that work out with him at this gym. And, you know, he, he is a very introverted guy. And I'm going to count up, have the word count on this um, put together. And I'm going to like frame the number of words that he spoke in this uh, episode so that it can be proven just how much he can speak. And it was just such good stuff. I mean, there's so many different things that we talked about that are very meaningful and noteworthy. And I also absolutely adored that forever and ever his daughter's core, his daughter Cora's voice is going to be heard in the background as she woke up from a nap and she will forever be part of mother puckers at a very young, young age. And that's very, very cool. Well, so thank you, Jamie. And as I mentioned, um, as I spoke with him, you can find him at two seven health and wellness and, from a nutrition perspective, he works with clients all over the world. So you do not have to be based in Nashville, Tennessee to benefit from his knowledge and his care. So uh, take advantage of that. And um, I, I love to hear results that you get from Jamie because I know he has done wonders for me. And next week, we've got another guest coming on as well as updates because the rankings will be out. And then I will let you know who won the dollar bill in our house. So I hope that you all are having a fantastic week. And with that, I will see you at the rink.